amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. You're listening to episode 94, brought to you by Songfinch and HelloFresh. Use the promo code LOVELY at songfinch.com for $20 off your personalized song from scratch and for a total of $60 off at HelloFresh. That's $20 off your first three boxes. Visit hellofresh.com slash ctl60 and enter the code ctl60. Welcome to Cultivating the Lovely. I'm your host, Mackenzie Coppa. You can find out more about the podcast at cultivatingthelovely.com, in our Yellow Brick Road membership community at patreon.com slash cultivatingthelovely, and in our Facebook group. I would also love to connect with you on Instagram, where you can find me at Mackenzie Coppa. That's M-A-C-K-E-N-Z-I-E-K-O-P-P-A. Ladies, today I have a guest that many of you actually requested that I have on the show, and that is Christy Cambron. Now, she is a fiction author, which was actually a lot of fun for me to talk to her about because we have some ties from her fiction work to some plays that I have done in my past that were really fun to uncover. And I actually also talk about this more in my thoughts on the interview post in our Patreon community. But aside from being a fiction author, Christy is also the author of Bible Studies. She is a deep researcher. This girl is after my own heart, and I love the things that she goes into in her verse mapping studies. So we're going to talk about all of that and how she got to where she is today in this episode. Also, as I mentioned, we've got a lot going on in the Patreon community. Every week, I'm doing thoughts on the interview posts where you get to hear the interview from my perspective, what it took to get the interview, and how I prepared for it, what I really thought of it. It's kind of a fun behind-the-scenes thing that members of the Patreon community get to be privy to. We have an exclusive podcast called What Ingrid and Fiona Like, but most of all right now, I think the most fun and interesting thing happening is that all of the Patreon members are getting to weigh in on what they would like to see happen within our membership group in 2019. They're weighing in on whether they want more live video or more podcasts or more printables with monthly challenges or small groups. We are taking all of these things into account to form the most cohesive and beneficial membership experience going into 2019, and we really want you to be a part of it. This membership community is for women who are living in the trenches of mom life but don't want to just be surviving. They want to be taking care of themselves so that they can better pour into their families. They want to be cultivating their minds and setting goals and growing and not just surviving day to day. This group is meant to help you do that, but not in an oppressive way, in a way that's realistic and grace-filled, but also encouraging and maybe pushing you a little to do the things that you've been letting slide or you just haven't been taking care of because it never seems like there's enough time. Well, we want to come alongside you in this journey 
arm in arm and be encouraging each other to be the best version of ourselves that we can be for ourselves and our families in 2019. We're going to be focusing on joy and hope throughout the year, along with all the other goodness, and we want you to be a part of it. So would you just come over to the Patreon page at patreon.com slash cultivating the lovely and see what it's kind of like over there. We also have a Facebook group where we get to go even deeper into community, and we would love to have you kind of give us a check out and see if it might be something that you would be interested in for making your 2019 your best year yet. But for right now, let's go ahead and jump into this episode with Christy Cambrin. Welcome, Christy. I'm so excited to have you on the show today. Hey, Mackenzie. Thanks for having me. Well, it's kind of funny because your people reached out to me about having you on the show because you've got some new things out on the market and they wanted you to talk about them. But actually, it was a couple months before that that someone actually emailed me. And I don't get very many guest suggestions from listeners. I don't know why that is. I just don't. But this person (laughs) emailed me and she said, I think that you should have Christy Cameron on your show. She's got this verse mapping Bible study method. I think that you should look into it. She's really awesome. She would be a great guest. And so I had in the back of my head all this time, I think I even had open in my browser, like one whole tab, like with your site open, like I need to look into this gal. (laughs) And I just hadn't been getting around to it yet. And then your people contacted me. I was like, oh, it's her. Yes. Okay. Yeah. We'll have her on the show. That'll be great. So it was really fun to end up having those worlds collide. But for people who don't know who you are, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, I can. But before I do that, I would love to say also the connection with Turquoise, my website and everything that we chose for verse mapping, all Turquoise. That's so true. That's so, so we are true. connected. That is fun. I know. I've been moving away from like the bold turquoise name and stuff because so oh, much of my, that's... all my, so all my things are kind of like branching off from that now, but it's still like so much the core of, of what I am and how a lot of people got to know me. So it'll always I be there. It. My little bold turquoise. <laughs> yep. I love it. So we have that connection yes. that'll be from the past for you, but we'll yes. still have that connection. I, it. <laughs> I still, it's still my favorite color. So Me too. It's my favorite color. So we're kindred spirits there. Absolutely. But yes. Hi, everyone. I am Christy Cambrin. I'm a vintage inspired storyteller for Thomas Nelson Publishers. I write historical fiction and Bible studies. I am also the women's ministry leader at Southeast Christian Church in Louisville, Kentucky. I am mom to three boys and I am wife to Jeremy and also best friend to Jeremy. Let's just put that out there. (laughs) Yes, and I am a former art student, and I am a lover of books and all things Britain and British and um, anything history. I'm Mackenzie. I'm the biggest history nerd, and so and I also love Jesus, chase Jesus, love him fiercely, and he changed my life. So that's a little bit about me, just kind of in a nutshell. Yes, I love that. Well, I was looking on your website, kind of the About You page and stuff, just preparing for our little interview here, and I saw that you had majored in art history and research, correct? Yes, art history research writing. It was an independent study, and our college, they actually didn't even have that as a degree, so we had to petition the IU Bloomington College to get them to accept me. And they did. And so I was able to actually get a degree in what I wanted, you know, my passion. That's amazing. How I, I, wow. I mean, it's one thing to just have the degree, but like actually make sure that it gets like created for you. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So coming out of college, what did that look like for you? What, how did you use that? 
Well, the interesting thing is I am a huge proponent of those who are non-traditional adult students because it took me 13 years to get my degree. Wow. Yes. And so my husband and I met very young. We met when I was 17 and he was 18 and we got married at 21 and 22 and I was already working in corporate America. I was still going to school, but we didn't want to have any college debt. And so we paid cash every semester and I went to school through our first two pregnancies and went to school sometimes in the summer. Yeah. For 13 years, I didn't want to quit. And so we just said, okay, I'll take class every semester and I'll work at the same time. So it was a little different because the story that I'm going to tell, you know, when you talk about, okay, what has God done in your life and how did he bring you to writing that story overlaps in so many places. If you try to put a timeline to it, I lived it and I can barely put a timeline to it. So Well, I love that, though, because, you know, I think, especially looking back, I think of, you know, what I was, I was went to college when I was 17. I graduated high school a year early and I had no idea what I wanted to do and ended Mm -hmm. up switching colleges a couple of times and ended up just getting married and dropping the whole thing because I figured I was having babies and all that. And I, there wasn't anything that I really knew that I wanted to do. And then I've been able to pursue a lot of passion projects and a lot of other arenas or things that I had trained for when I was much younger. And so God has really brought everything full circle. And I appreciated not having college debt for something that I wouldn't have used it for. But I am assuming that using, like getting your degree over that amount of time probably really was clarifying for you to know what you really wanted your degree in by the time that you were getting it. It was. And truth be told, my situation was a little different from yours because I knew from a very young age exactly what I wanted to do, but I couldn't Mm -hmm. do it. So that, so that was a little different when I was about five years old, I would tell my mom that I wanted to be a Disney animator. Like that was the hope that was the plan because I was a eighties kid. And in the eighties, there wasn't much except Disney, you know, Disney cartoons and and I loved visual storytelling. And so that was on my heart, but I can't draw very well. I mean, maybe, okay, but not to be with a proficiency to be a professional artist. Yeah. And there weren't. There were no computers back then, kids. You know, there wasn't wasn't a graphic designer or anything like that. And so I thought, and this is in my bio, but I thought if I can't paint and I can't sculpt, you know, I can't draw, then that means I can't create. And the one thing I wanted to do was to be artistic and to create. So by the time I went to college when I was 17, just like you, and by the time I walked in my first art history class, so I did the basic stuff, right? Like yeah. I took English and, you know, whatever 101. But there was one class that I said, I'm going to do this for me. I'm going to take one class that is just my heart, and I'm going to go to that class. And it was a, an upper-level art history class. Like I would not recommend that yeah. <laughs> for your first semester. But I just remember it was what was offered. And I walked in the classroom, and I didn't know then, but the Holy Spirit just whispered to my heart. I didn't know it was him. He just said, you're home this is where you're supposed to be. Uh And I do. Yeah. I I did not at the time know that he was going to call me to be an author, to be a communicator and a storyteller and the ways that he was going to have me get to that. But I did know that was on my heart and that, that art and creation was. And so, yeah, from even a very young age and then all those years I'm going through art school, that was my heart, my passion, this space where art and history and faith in Jesus Christ, where those three things collide, that is the space that he has asked me to live my life and to step into ministry. So storytelling for me, whether it's a a novel or whether it is 
Bible studies or whether it's what I do now in ministry, vocational ministry, yeah. any of those things, I'm still in that space yeah. where creativity and history and who God is and faith in Jesus Christ, where those things collide, that's where he's asked me to spend my life. That's so wonderful. And I should actually say, okay, I messed up my story. <laughs> What I just said, because what you were saying is like, you knew from a young age, that's what you wanted to do. And then this is how it all played out. And now here you are where you are. And you learned that the creativity looked like painting through words. I knew that I wanted to be an actress from a young age. My parents discouraged me going to acting school for college. So in college, it was like, well, what do I do? I don't know what I want to do. And now here I am, a voiceover actor. So, you know, (laughs) things things did come full circle. And I ended up back where I wanted to be when I was little, you know. But it's it's amazing to see how God has that long-range plan. And when you're in the middle of it, you don't necessarily know what what it's going to end up looking like. But then here we are and things are, are turning out and that's pretty fun to have that happen. And doesn't that show the creativity of God? Because there are some of us who at a young age do know exactly yeah. what their calling is. You know, my sister, she's just a year older than me, but from a very young age, I'm going to be a teacher. I love books. I love libraries. And now she and her husband are international teachers and they live halfway across the globe. Wow. And from, Yeah. And so she never had to kind of go on a side path and say, okay, God, what are you doing? She just walked right along with him. And I know what you're doing from a young age. So I just think that shows the creativity, the uniqueness of how God looks at each one of us and how our journey will still take us back to what he's built in us. But it may not, it may not look, that journey may not look exactly like what we thought it would. Exactly. Yeah. I thought I'd be on the stage, not behind a microphone, but (laughs) I love it. And it's, it's pretty awesome to see how that works out. But so you got this art history and research degree. And so in there, you started writing books. How did that happen? Yes, actually before that. And, and it's a funny story. I actually have not told this in a lot of interviews just because it hasn't come up. So I love that you asked that question. When I was newly married, my husband, Jeremy and I, we were newly married and I was working in corporate America at an insurance company and I did second and third shift answered telephone calls. So like the call center Uh environment, that was me. (laughs) I know. Yes. Um, it's just funny to even look back and think of, the, of those days. But I remember that we had a situation where uh, we had a leader who came in and she, she kind of changed a lot. And she said, no talking over cube walls in between calls. And, you know, sometimes we would have 30 minutes or 45 minutes in between calls. And I used to either, this is before podcasts, Mackenzie, let's just, yeah. let's just put that out there. <laughs> I used to listen to preaching on the radio mm-hmm. or I would do homework or, you know, something like that. And the leader said, okay, no reading, no, you know, surfing the internet, no talking over cute walls in between calls. And I just, I came home and I said to my husband, I said, well, what are we supposed to do? You know, like, I don't want to yeah. just sit there. And I said, well, you know, she never said that I couldn't write. And my husband has this kind of quote that it just goes through my mind because he says it often. Anytime I get these like harebrained schemes of God's calling me to do this, let's go do it. (laughs) Um, He said, let's do it. And so we went and we bought a refurbished laptop for $200. And all it had on it was a solitaire Minesweeper <laughs> and, uh, and Word Perfect. It didn't even have Microsoft Office, and it had a floppy disk drive. Do y'all know what a floppy yes. disk drive? Is? Oh my goodness! <laughs> and so I began writing my first novels, and I had 
no clue what I was doing. I mean, I just had no understanding. And I remember that there were some novels that, you know, different team members and things would read. And I just remember thinking, those are not the kind of novels that honor the Lord, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. So I thought, I don't want to read those. And I thought, why does Satan get to have fun with the novels, like the good books? Like, why does he get to do that? Like, I want the Lord to have good books. And yeah. so I never thought he was going to ask me to write, but here I am on this old refurbished laptop with a floppy disk drive and I'm writing my first novels. And uh, my mama, she's the only one who's ever read them and she cannot be bribed to tell you how bad they are. <laughs> I, I am confident that they were horrible and they were stuck in a drawer somewhere and I, they will never see the light of day. But the point is that that was time that I got to spend with the Lord. That was time that I got to create with him. And if it's only ever... For me and for him, I will treasure those books yeah. and I will treasure that time because it did lead me years down the road. Now, that was like 2001. And where does that get us to 2011? Because that's when I started to go for publication. Okay, wow. Because 10 years down the road. Wow. I know. And I, I have this old Bible. Um, I am not a purist when it comes to books. So I will dog ear the pages. I will write yeah. in the margins. I'm going to love on a book. Like I'm just going to love it. Yeah. And so I have uh, my old Bible that I bought in 97 when I started college. So I'm, that tells you how old I am. <laughs> but <laughs> but I, um, I bought my, my Bible and in the margin, I didn't even recognize what God was doing, how he was taking that love for storytelling and he had this flicker of a flame on my heart that said, I wanted to do something for him, and he would not let that flame go out. And so in the margins of my Bible, right around Matthew 21, 22, if you believe you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer, I had written in that Bible, I want to be a Christian author, 2001, 2004, 2005, 2007, 2009, 2000, wow. all these dates, all these dates in the margin. And at the time, I thought ministry, I thought it was God's asking me to be an author and I was chasing that dream. And all the time I had no idea that I was actually not chasing the what I was chasing the who I was chasing mm. Jesus and how I was going to find him through what he was asking me to do. Oh, that's really good. Wow. Yeah. And, and <laughs> it was hard and it was hard too. It was hard in the waiting. It was hard to, it was just so difficult to feel like I have this dream on my heart and I don't know if any of your listeners can identify, but I bet some of them can, that it felt like Mackenzie, the lottery dream. Like, oh, if yeah. I won the God lottery, you know, if I won the lottery that I could, I could do that. But no, yeah. that's for other people. That's for that. That dream is not for me. I can't dream like that. Why? Why can't we? Because God is bigger than that. He's bigger. Yeah. yeah, he's bigger than the boxes that we put him in. Hey ladies, I want to take a minute today to tell you about Songfinch. Now, I don't know if you remember, but I worked with this company a year ago and they completely knocked my socks off. So if you don't know what Songfinch is, it's a personalized gifting company that brings stories, feelings, and memories to life through one-of-a-kind songs. With personalized songs starting at $99 and delivered within seven days, their community of professional songwriters that's more than 300 strong will handcraft the best gift you can give. Now, I really could not believe out of just the few little things that I gave to our writer what he was able to do with our song. In fact, I still listen to it. My kids still love it. 
it's so heartfelt. And I'm going to put it at the end of this episode so that you can hear just how amazing and personalized it is. Along with having it just be so fun and personal, also your song lives on a personal URL called Your Story Homepage, where you can listen and download the song, read the lyrics, learn about your songwriter, which was really fun for us to do. We kind of connected with him and be able to share it with friends and family. I think that this would make an amazing gift this holiday season or any time of year for any kind of occasion. It's so personal. I know I keep saying that, but you just will not be disappointed with what they turn out. So if you would like to try it out, you can use the promo code LOVELY for $20 off your personalized song from scratch. So just go to songfinch.com, order a song from scratch, and you can get $20 off by using the promo code LOVELY. You guys are going to love it. And if you do it, would you please send me the link? I would love to hear them. And so about 10 years after that, I came to a Christian school, a school that I had actually worked at, and there was a librarian there. Her name is Miss Harriet. I posted about her on my Instagram feed uh, a couple of weeks ago because it's just so real on my heart, this journey that our family's been on. And Miss Harriet was my librarian when I was in high school or one of them. And then, yeah, and then we worked together in administration at the same Christian school I graduated from. And in 2011, my husband and I went back to that school as parents this time to tour the school because we wanted our oldest son to go there. And so I saw Miss Harriet and she said, what are you doing with your Christian writing, Christy? Because I guess I'd talk to everybody about it. That's <laughs> you know? funny. I, I bored everybody out of your Christian author. And I said, you know, I'm not, I'm not really doing much with it. I'm working in corporate America. We have two children at the time. And, uh, you know, I just, I'm not really doing anything with it. And she just looked at me and she said, you know, you really should pick it up again. And I don't, I don't know what happened with that, but I began to seriously consider, okay, maybe God is asking me to do this. And so I began to write all that spring and that summer. And by the time the fall of 2011 rolled around for me, because I'm an introvert, I jumped and I did something pretty crazy and I hopped on a plane and I went to St. Louis to the American Christian Fiction Writers Conference. Wow. Uh, I called my, yeah, I called my husband from the airport. In fact, and I said, is this crazy? This feels crazy. I can't believe I'm doing yeah. this. Um, I knew just through an acquaintance, I knew one person in the industry. Wow. One and I had just met it had just met her. And so I go to this conference and I am just so wide eyed. You know, I, I didn't know everybody. I knew a few authors. You know, I met Colleen Coble, who's now a great friend and mentor, but I met her in the elevator and I totally embarrassed myself. I couldn't even speak. <laughs> just just funny things like that. Yeah. But I, I pitched my work to six agents and editors and we had six requests for my work. And then a wow. month later we had yeah, a month later we had two agents offer to represent us and we didn't even know what that meant. And we just prayed about it and went with the agent with whom we thought, you know, would champion our work. And then after that, I have so many people who will kind of break into the story and say, oh, that's amazing. And so how did you feel when your dream came true? And I said, well, that wasn't it. You know, there, yeah. were, two, <laughs> there were two solid years of rejections in uh. that time. Solid. Every time we would send work out to a publisher, thanks, but no thanks. And the work would come back. And But here's the thing. I, I really, really value that time because, again, that's time that I spent with the Lord. That's time that I spent walking along with Him, dreaming with Him, not giving up when so many times when I wanted to. Mm-hmm. I had I had cheerleaders around me, my husband, my parents, our children, my sister, friends, you know, all of this supporting me. And the Lord, especially through that process, 
because I'll just be real. I'll just be real with your listeners that I have not been someone who has had a high level of confidence in my life. I've always had that struggle with self-esteem Yeah. and to step into an industry where you're basically putting yourself out there and you could yeah. be res- you could be rejected, not for the person who struggles with self-esteem. I'm just going to be real with you. It's yeah. not, it's not the perfect scenario for happiness. To yeah. do that. Yep. It's hard. Every time we would enter a contest, we would like crash and burn. And then the Lord would give me just this thimble full of confidence to keep going. Yeah. And so that those two years were precious for me to have that time with him. So that was by what time did that take you to then? What, what year? Yeah. Almost 2013. Yeah. So in the fall of 2012, the rejections, they were starting to get better. (laughs) (laughs) That's a funny thing to say, but it was true. You know, publishers would come back and they would say either we thought something was well-written. It doesn't really work for us, but do you have anything else? And at the time I was writing Regency era. So like Jane Austen type fiction Mm -hmm. and we were were being considered at a publisher. And so um, I talked to my agent and I said, okay, if we get a yes, then yay, I'm an author, a Regency author. If, but if we get a no, I feel like the Lord is telling me to write a book on the art of Auschwitz, the prisoners, mm-hmm. the prisoners who actually created art in the camps. And I had studied that again in one of those art history classes more yeah. than a decade before. Yeah. So just how the Lord brought that again, full circle. And so my agent at the time, she said, well, World War II is not really selling. You know, is there something else you want to write? And I said, <laughs> World War II is huge. <laughs> well, it wasn't. It, yeah. it was at the time. Now it is. <laughs> yeah, now it is. And uh, I actually think, believe it or not, that Downton Abbey has kind of helped with some of the settings that were in Europe. It's actually oh. kind of helped because, yeah, there were a couple of years there where if you were writing manuscripts set in Europe, they just weren't selling. You know, it That's was crazy. Other other things. Yeah. Well, a, and they're and you know that was hot <laughs> yeah there and there are really so many shows right now I mean Masterpiece has really taken off with Pole Dark and you know all those Victoria and all of that yeah I'm sure that helps but I've also heard a theory lately that people are kind of realizing that a lot of that World War II era generation is starting to die off and yes. this is kind of our last chance to get firsthand reports of things that happened Yes, you are so right. Yes, we are losing so much of that precious history yeah. that we have. And and so that was it was just really on my heart. And my grandfather was a World War Two co-pilot in the 390th wow. bomb group. Yeah. And the book that I'm writing right now, The Painted Castle, it is the third book in a series that comes out actually next October. So the second book, Castle on the Rise, is set in Ireland. It comes out next February. I just and then saw the that. Third book. Yeah. Yes. And then the third book comes out in October and I'm actually writing about the 390th bomb group that was set in Framlingham, England. So, wow. yeah, so it all just kind of comes full circle, but that first book that, that on my heart to write about the art of Auschwitz. So I told my agent at the time, okay, the Lord's telling me that I need to write this book and I'm super scared. And the, you know, the subject matter, the Holocaust, I mean, yeah. is there anything that could be weightier <laughs> than the Holocaust? Yeah. So I was terrified, but I was pregnant with our third son. And I said, okay, I'm going to take a couple days off work after we have our baby. I know it's crazy. Yeah. And then I said, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and write this book. So the majority of the book I actually wrote on my iPhone while I was wow. on maternity leave, because it's the only time I had. Wow. And yeah, the book, yeah, the book, um, I would hold our son, you know, in the middle of the night, you're up for feedings. I would hold him and I would just um, put the bottle, you know, kind of in my left arm and I hook him in my arm and hold the bottle for him. And then I would just type it out with my thumb and my right hand. And, oh, goodness. <laughs> 
and the book, it just came out. And then after that, we had one more contest that I had entered. And again, I thought, you know, crash and burn, you know, and I forgot about it because I thought I was going to have another rejection. And the funny thing is that I actually won the contest. I was so surprised. And the editor who was the judge is now my editor at Thomas Nelson. She's a very good friend. Right. And we're working on books six and seven together. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. How that happened was incredible. Uh, But that's, again, that's another marker point, but it's not the end of the story. It's not this, we had a huge turning point in our family that has really taken us into this season of the last five years. And that was on the same day that we got a yes for publishing. So our first contract came through with my family at Thomas Nelson Publishers and an out. So we were so excited, right? Our whole family rejoicing. We're on the mountaintop. I can't believe this actually happened. We're so excited. And an hour later, my dad called and he said, this could be bad. I may have leukemia. Oh my goodness. Same day, one oh, hour time. Frame. <laughs> and so, yes. Yeah. So it was mountaintop, valley walking, mountaintop, valley walking for the next five months. I edited the butterfly and the violin largely at the local cancer center as oh, my wow. dad was undergoing chemo, mm-hmm. and he passed away about oh, so just about sorry. five months. Yeah, thank you. We had a gentle goodbye for now, and for us, it was the ability to see just how faithful God was in yeah. that process. It, yeah, and how many times I have told the story of God's faithfulness, you know, and all these smaller moments, these tender mercies. And in the the book that came out for me last February, The Lost Castle, it's the first in the series that I'm in now, these castles and mansions in Europe. That was the first time I had ever written fiction that actually had a lot of me in it. So there are, yeah, it's it's almost like um, a love story to my family in a way. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And and I could tear up a little. I'm not going to lie little um but there's a character a grandmother character who has alzheimer's and my grandmother passed from alzheimer's and uh, just how that was on my heart and there's a scene there's a scene in that book that i actually have between the main character and her grandmother and it's the last time i saw my grandmother alive like that was my experience like yeah yeah, what happens in that scene or there's a character who plays the guitar and is always playing this song and it's blackbird from the beatles well, for me, that was the soundtrack of my youth. My dad yeah. always, he was a musician as well as an architect, but he always played this music. And so all these things, I just, it was the first time I layered part of myself in a novel. And in a way it was, you know, four or five years down the road from my dad passing, but it was recounting that faithfulness of God during that time. That had to be therapeutic. It was almost like memoir-esque for you, but through your fiction. It so was. Yes, that's a... a brilliant point because and even four or five years down the road you yeah, know yeah. I mean, I'm writing it like four years down the road there and I'm not going to give any spoilers but there is a scene in the book where one character is going to pass away and another character is holding that character's hand and that character is looking at the clock and hearing the, the kind of tick marks you know as the seconds are going by and knowing time is short and I don't have very much time but I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to hold your hand and I'm just going to talk I'm going to talk like you're going to be here for the next 50 years. And I'm going to say, remember this, remember this, because I'm going to want this time back. 
And that was one of the last, and I wrote that into the book, but that's one of the last moments that I had alone with my dad. It was 3 a.m. in an ICU room and I could hear, and they had one of those, not digital, but like ancient clocks on the wall, you know, yeah, like yeah. the kind that still tick. And I remember I heard the the machines, the IV machines beeping and I could hear the clock ticking and I could hear the cars, like the world just moved on outside the windows. Yeah. But for me, it was like, remember this, remember this, because one day you will give anything to be right back here in this moment. And it's so true. It's yeah. so true. If I could have that moment back and it could be 3 a.m. in an ICU room and I'm holding his hand and I'm reading scripture and I'm talking to him, I would give anything to have that back. And so many times in life, we have those moments that yeah. remember this moments. And so it was that for me. Yeah. And wrote it in the book. Dang, girl, I don't usually have like my guests make me cry. <laughs> the heck? That was that was powerful and deep. And now because I've been so wrapped up in, you know, I get a lot of books thrown at me for the podcast that I'm constantly reading and getting up on. And I don't get to get to fiction as much as I want to. And I so I didn't even like have it really on my radar as I was looking at your um, your Bible verse mapping books that we're going to talk about in a minute but I it wasn't until I went to your website I was like oh she's a fiction author also like I I should have been reading some (laughs) fiction in preparation for this but now just the way you just described that I'm like I've got to get a hold of these books (laughs) like immediately (laughs) oh my goodness if you could just say that to me on the podcast then it's got to be really good in print so (laughs) I can't wait to read them and for me it hits a it hits a personal note, especially where you're talking about the art with Auschwitz, because mm-hmm. when I was younger, I played the lead in I Never Saw Another Butterfly. I don't know if you're <gasps> familiar with that play. And there, and there's a book. There's a yes, book that's called... There is. That, okay, okay. I cannot believe you just said that. I just got chills and I'm about to cry because the book I Never Saw Another Butterfly is of the children's art yes. of the Terrors and Ghetto. Yes. And I have several copies of that book. And during my art history studies, I fell in love with that book. And the second book in that series, A Sparrow in Terrazin, is about the children's art in Terrazin <gasps> because of that book, Mackenzie. It's oh because of that Oh my goodness. Book. Yes. I can't even believe you said that. <laughs> yeah. I played Raya and Glandrova and we actually like did the art in the play. And, you know, it, that, and it's still, I mean, it was so many years, it was 20 years ago that I played that role, but it was a very pivotal role for me in learning the accent and really having to embody what it felt like and, you know, doing this whole thing. And there was this whole, you know, stripping down of, you know, every night. Mm-hmm. I mean, cause I was like junior high age, but I would wear a little bit of makeup to school or whatever. And it was like yeah. the taking off of my makeup every night when I would go on stage and we would grease up our hair and we could, you know, like really taking that on, putting on these dirty clothes and, and doing the whole thing and trying to have hope. I mean, really that story is at the end, you know, she says, mother, father, Irena, Erka, Hansa, Pavel, they all died and I am alone, but I survived. Oh, oh my goodness. And so it's like, even through, even though she lost everyone, she still cleaned the fact that she survived. And it was so much through that artwork. I mean, they talk about in the show, like all how they grappled, you know, they found pieces of wrapping paper and, you know, just Uh anything that they could to make that artwork on. And so it's always just, I got to meet Holocaust survivors while I was playing that role to really help me, you know, get to that level of emotion that you have to get to. And so I, 
especially, I mean, World War II novels are always, the, they hold a special place to me, but especially when it's Holocaust. And then the fact that you did Terezin, oh my gosh, I've got to get my hands on these books, like, immediately. Yes, and for your listeners, if they do have interest in that, I really hope that they pick up a copy of the book and never saw another butterfly, because... Yes. It will move you. It will move you just to see the music notes, the poetry, the drawings, the paintings of these children. Yeah. Yes. And to think about, and and this was, for those who aren't familiar with it, it was outside, this concentration camp was not, and I hate to use the word typical concentration camp because that just sounds horrible, but it was the propaganda camp that the Nazis used basically to fool the Red Cross or to show the world, hey, we're treating the Jews so well yeah. when they're not. Well, and it was a ghetto. So it yeah, wasn't, it, was a, it was the kind of like the, the middle point between yes. Auschwitz and their homes. So it was kind of yes, yes. where they were gathered into before they were sent off to the harder hitting death camps. Yes. And, yeah. and this place, there were so many more children and the yeah. elderly who, it, and it was basically like a train station, like a train yeah. stop, if you yeah. will, where you're going on to one of the death centers. But of the thousands of children who passed through this ghetto, fewer than 100 survived. And so maybe, you know, well, not maybe, but a lot of the art that actually survived, you can see in this book. Yeah. And many of those children did not, but the art still survived. So that book was really the inspiration for the second book in the series, oh. A Sparrow in Terrazin. And, and how could that art have survived? And there's one in particular art teacher who risks her life and tries to save as many children and their artwork as she can. So what, what's her uh, name in the book? Oh, her name is Kaja. Okay. Because there's a character very similar to that in the play I Never Saw Another Butterfly. Oh, yes. And so, so she, fictional, fictional, but her name, she, because she's Czech, and the way that they they would pronounce it is actually Kaya, but in my mind it was Kaja. You know how sometimes yeah. it can be different in yeah. your mind? The same way um, with Raya. It was spelled yes. Raja, but we, we said Raya because we did the full-on yes. accents and everything. So. And just the experience of something like that. And, and I get asked often, like, why do you write? Or, you know, those kinds of things. And there are so many ministry moments that have come out of that. Yeah. And that book that we were just talking about, A Sparrow and Terrazin, um, I was on Pinterest one day. And you don't love to do it as an author, but you have to, like, Google yourself. You know, you, <laughs> have, to, you yeah. have to see where are media hits happening. You know, who's talking about the book? And I found the cover on Pinterest. And someone had said, that's Kate. That's Kate's face on a book. And I thought, what is that? You know? Yeah. And it's actually the model, the model for that cover of Sparrow and Tears. And her name was Kate. But here is the amazing thing that God did. Here's what came out of that. My character, Kaya or Kaja, is a form, of, a Czech form of Katerina, which is a form of Kate. And oh, wow. I, yes. And my character was half Jewish, half Christian. This model, half Jewish, half Christian. There's, there's even more to that. So I, you know, connected with her and we were talking and she said, well, around the time that this book came out and I knew that they had selected my image for the cover, she said that her grandmother, her grandmother's Jewish and her grandmother was, I think it was diagnosed with cancer, but in any case, her grandmother was put into a hospice facility and she went to the hospice facility and like all the doctors and nurses, they knew her. And they would say, hey, Kate, how are you? And she thought, how do they know me? Yeah. The grandmother was so proud of her granddaughter, was so proud of Kate. She had a copy of that book, A Sparrow in Terrorism. And she showed everybody. She Aww. she didn't read the book. She showed everybody. And she and 
Kate even told me, she said, when my grandmother, and I'm, I'm going to cry because she said, when my grandmother passed away, she had that book on her oh. bedside table. And so again, for me, it is not about just writing a book or writing a story or being inspired. Sometimes God will use the book itself. He will use yeah. the story itself to inspire someone else's journey. And that's just one ministry moment that came out of this journey that our family has been on. Incredible. Wow. Wow our God is. <laughs> That's so amazing. I just, I love to hear those stories where it's taken so much farther than you could have ever imagined when you were just putting pen to paper. Right. Yeah. That's amazing. Ladies, we have less than two weeks until Christmas. That is crazy talk. And I don't know about you. I don't know. Maybe you've got everything together and you're just riding smooth, but I'm kind of running around a little bit like a chicken with my head cut off. And when I'm in that mode, things tend to slip through the cracks a little bit. I end up getting more takeout than I prefer. And I'm just not on top of my planning, shopping, cooking game. So when anything comes across my path to make that easier, I try to take advantage of it. You guys have heard me talk about HelloFresh before, and they are back this week to save us during this holiday season. You can head over to HelloFresh.com right now in order to be able to get your food all the way through Christmas break. Let's just, you know, take that whole time off from having to do any more shopping, right? Okay, but let's back up. If you're not sure what HelloFresh is, it's a meal kit delivery service that shops, plans, and delivers step-by-step recipes and pre-measured ingredients so you can just cook, eat, and enjoy. They've got three different plans to choose from, classic veggie and family. Their ingredients are carefully selected from farms and high-rated trusted sources, and they might just help you put a little bit of excitement back into your cooking during this holiday season because everything's all packed into these great little kits that you can just pull out of the fridge and whip up together, really saving you a lot of time even in just that part of it. But you also get to try some recipes that you may not have otherwise tried. I know that my family personally has tried things that we wouldn't have tried otherwise, or it's put a new spin on old favorites, like their cheddar fajitas. We love those. I would have never thought of doing it exactly the way that they do it or their mini meatloaves you guys those are still a hands-down favorite they made them easy for us to cook quickly by making them small and all of my kids gobbled them up plus if you become a subscriber then you just know that from week to week everything's taken care of that handy little box is going to show up on your doorstep and all you have to do is cook your account is easy to manage with the ability to choose your delivery date to match your ever-changing schedule and you can pause deliveries when you're on vacation so here's where it gets good you can get a total of $60 off that's $20 off your first three boxes if you just visit hellofresh.com ctl60 and enter the code ctl60 i mean $20 off each of your first three boxes that's like receiving six meals totally free that's pretty good so for a total of $60 off you can go to hellofresh.com ctl60 and enter the code ctl60 so what did your research look like for these books I mean is it just from like stuff you had done in college that then you pulled out of or did you go deeper into that research process well, one of my favorite things in the world is research. <laughs> yeah, really you have a major is. in it. Yeah. Yes, and and I mentioned I'm a history nerd, and so I do. I love, and I'm kinesthetic, a kinesthetic learner as well. Okay. So I have to, I have to get my. That means I get my hands in things. Like yeah. I have to try it. I have to do it to be able to understand it. And so for me, it was doing a lot of the research that we can now have the luxury to do on YouTube. You know, you can tour 
if you're looking for a concentration camp, there are videos and things like that. Yeah. So I did all of the the research, especially for the first book, A Butterfly and, Viol- and the Violin. I did that research about 10 years before I wrote the book. And so I had already knew a lot about, yeah. you know, just the time frame, the timeline, the uh, studying maps of the camp and, you know, down to what was the weather like in that area on any given day. So by the time God connected me with an Auschwitz survivor, she was one of Mengele's twins. She oh, and her sister. Wow. Yes. Yes. She and her sister both survived. They had the experiments done on them. And so God connected wow. me with her by this point. I was able to interview her, which is really what I like to do. I like to do firsthand interviews. I like if I can travel, you know, budget and schedule and all that. I like to travel to places to interview people, to interview family, to go see a site, to actually feel my boots hit the ground where history has happened. I like to do that. So So when I'm interviewing, oh, go ahead. I was just going to ask, were you able to travel for that book? Great question. And at that time, I was not because yeah, that was baby. Hello. <laughs> yes. New baby. Um, still still working in corporate America. My dad was diagnosed, you know, with yeah. cancer at the yeah. time. And so I was not able to, but I was able to interview the Auschwitz survivor. And at that point, I had already done the research. So I was able to ask her sensory perception questions, mm. small details of the camps. And so I was able to ask her things like, did you know what day it was? Yeah. Did you know, did you know if there was a holiday, like a Jewish holiday? Did you, I mean, for lack of a better word, did you celebrate that? Did you see flowers? Were there any flowers that just kind of sprouted up, you know, in a downspout or a puddle or like, did you see animals other than like rats or lice or did you see animals? And there's one scene in the book where she talks about these giant winged birds that had these like black little beady eyes. And, um, and she talked about how these birds would fly into the camp, like the ground, you know, the, mm-hmm. the ground where people would line up and things like that. And she said that she was so angry that something that looked just so evil like that, you know, just <laughs> this bird that it could just fly in and then it had freedom and it could just fly out at will. Oh, wow. I mean, just questions like that, that really helped me to get a feel for what was it like. Yeah. So the research for, you know, for our family, oh, and my husband and sons and I, we do research together. It's a family affair. Yeah, it's a family affair. So other books that I have written, I wrote about John and Mabel Ringling and the circus and the jazz age. And so we got connected. Yes, it was amazing. We got connected with the Ringling family and the Ringling and Burton. Yes. And if your listeners have an opportunity to see some real history in the United States now, because the Ringling Circus has ended, the only place you can find it is in Sarasota at the John and Mabel Ringling Museum of Art and the Circus Museum there. So we toured the mansion, behind the scenes access, and that's actually on my YouTube channel. If you're interested oh, at all, yeah. if you want to see it, yeah. That, so our family does that together. Uh, we went to Ireland two years oh, ago. Wow. Yes. Um, we toured castles. We had this nine day road trip, and that kind of also connects in with the season that our family had been in and the verse mapping Bible studies, because here's an amazing thing, how God just really worked this out. We had a bookend story of double rainbows. When my dad was admitted to the hospital for the last time, my mom and I came out of the hospital Mm -hmm. and we were there in the parking lot and we saw a double rainbow. And I remember thinking at the time, Oh, that's, that's a good thing. That means God's got his eye on this. You know, he sees what's happening. He's here with us. And that started a season for us, the very difficult season of grief and loss yeah. and 
newness and just stepping out, you know, um, the Lord had me very, very intentional with the timing for my husband and I, but he had me quit my corporate job that I'd been in for 15 years and walk away basically with, with nothing, but okay, God's telling me to be in ministry full time. And so we did that. and, And that three year season was so, so difficult. And by the time we get to Ireland, and now I will tell you, Mackenzie, as followers of Jesus Christ, we never lose our joy, but we can lose our smile. Yeah. yeah. And we lost our smile. We lost our smile for a while and we found it on a lost back road. I got us lost. It's my fault, but I got <laughs> us lost. And we're on this back road in Ireland. We're looking for some ancient port. And I, you know, I have my camera up because I'm filming. And all of a sudden, and, and it, had, it rains in Ireland, right? Like you think yeah. Ireland and it's going to rain. And it, it, that was one day, our trip was amazing. It really didn't rain the whole time, but that day it did. And we're touring the Ring of Kerry, which is in Southwest Ireland, right along the coast. And at this point where you come around this curve, I got us lost. My husband's trying to angle the, the rental car, you know, wrong side of the car, wrong yeah. side of the road. <laughs> I mean, it's just anything that could go wrong was going wrong. And we're in this car and all of a sudden the rain stopped and the clouds part and The sun comes out and we look over and my husband says, look, look, there is a double rainbow. And we just knew for our family, we were lost, right? We were lost, but that was not lost to God. He knew right where we were going to be. And the one symbol that he could show our family that this season is over, this season is ending. I've got something new for you was that double rainbow. And the cool thing is the connection to the Bible study is that just about a week after that, I was going to be in Nashville to pitch an idea for a verse mapping Bible study. And if you do complete that Bible study, you will see in the verse mapping Bible studies, we have actual footage of when we saw the double rainbow and that whole story, that whole story. Yeah. They put it in there. My little iPhone video of a lost back road in Ireland is actually there in the study. Just another way that God, yeah. The way that he does that, the way he works. That is very neat. So as long as we're talking about these verse mapping studies, so you, you wrote all these books, you're obviously still writing. That's a big process and a big part of your life. But you decided to do a Bible search, a couple of Bible studies so far. So how did that come up for you? What made you decide that that was the next direction you wanted to step in? Another overlap area. Do you remember I said that I couldn't yeah. get because <laughs> everything overlaps? Well, when the Lord was just so specific about leaving corporate America and my husband, again, let's do it. I trust God and I believe in you. And so off we went and uh, we I put in my notice and walked away from corporate America. The next day after I left corporate America, I went into my closet and I got out because I worked in a skyscraper and all of that. I got out all of my fancy suits and I drove them to a donation center and I gave them away because we said, it's like a burning the ships kind of thing. We're not going back. Wow. And the day the day after that, I went to church to join a Bible study, you know, to make sure I contacted church to join a Bible study. And two things happened in that first Bible study. The first one was I realized how much in the Bible I was not, if, mm. that, if that makes yeah. sense. Because the Bible for me was there in that chemo room, was there when we made a life leap, you know, new baby new job, you know, grief and loss, all these things swirling around us. The Bible was there at a graveside. The Bible was there in a hospital room, but I did not have the Bible as my choice, as my love, as my oxygen, as something that I cherished every day. Mm-hmm. I was not in the word like that. And that hit me hard. Yeah. And then also the second thing in the Bible study, I recognized again, this 
this area of my heart where I didn't have confidence that I would open the Bible and I was embarrassed because I didn't understand much of what I was reading. Mm. And I knew I loved Jesus, knew he'd called me into ministry, but my path was different. Uh, you know, he didn't call me to seminary at 20 years old. Um, yeah. So I thought, is there a way for someone like me, I'm a corporate mom and you know, now yeah. I'm writing and I'm busy. And is there a way that I can open scripture and understand it? And so this verse mapping journey for me really tapped into what I did in corporate America. I wrote curriculum and I was a technical writer and a trainer. And so I would lead training classes and things like that. And so McKinsey, for me, it really was, and I'm holding my dad's Bible as I'm talking to you. Here. I'm holding my daddy's Bible. Um, and when I had this Bible, I got it a few days after he passed away. And I told my mom and, you know, I prayed about this and I, I told the Lord, I said, I want this Bible to be well-traveled. And I don't mean going to Ireland or going to Sarasota, Florida. Yeah. To a museum. I don't mean that. I mean, well-traveled in my heart. Yeah. Well-traveled because I choose it. I wanted the cover to fall apart. I want this Bible like to fall apart because it has been so well-traveled in me. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. And at that point, so I began verse mapping because I thought this well-traveled Bible, if it's our manual for living, if this is something that we are supposed to have as our oxygen, there there has to be a structure behind the teaching material. So I, I had a friend who said, have you heard of verse mapping? I was like, no, what is that? So what do we always do? We Google it, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so I Googled it and I saw some images and really just kind of jumped in and made it my own. And how verse mapping as Bible studies really started it's funny because I mentioned I'm an introvert. Mm-hmm. Well, these journals, you know, I'm starting to stack up journals and I, what started out as five minutes in the word and a blank map that had a lot of, you know, blank space on the page turned from five minutes to 45 to a few hours. And the maps went from a half a page to, you know, two to four pages. And sometimes they would go over multiple days. Now I'm spending hours in the word and all wow. of that, all of that. It was never intended to be seen by anyone outside of me and the Lord. Yeah. And I and I have my first journal here from 2014, 2015. I'm holding it in my hand. And I just laugh now because years down the road, when my agent said that we were talking to our um, fiction family at Thomas Nelson, and she said, um, she said, well, I've had a couple publishers contact me to talk to Christy about doing something with verse mapping. And that was a shock. I had no idea. Wow. <laughs> no idea. Because verse mapping was growing and, and I had this post that I put out there and and for me it kind of you know kind of went viral and we've got, you know, hundred thousand some people looking at this one post on how to do verse mapping. I wasn't even pushing it. I was just, hey, this is how I get in the word. And all of a sudden it just kind of caught fire. And uh, my agent, you know, talked to the publisher and that's how we got on this journey of doing the Bible studies. And so we go to Ireland, you know, we have our our time with the Lord and then I come back to Nashville and we go in to talk to my publishing family and we pitch it and we pitched one Bible study and they came back and said, let's do two. And then, yeah, just about a year down the road, that journal that I was never going to show anybody, we're we're there filming the Bible studies and there's a whole crew of, you know, cameramen and editors and our executive producer and they're all standing there and they're looking in this, this journal, right? Yeah. And they're thinking, yeah. It's kind of like a diary for a middle school yeah. girl. It's that personal. It's so personal. Because my raw and my real and my messy faith stuff is in here. It's it's yeah. me and Jesus, right? And the funny thing is our executive, and I'm buried under cameras. Like there are cameras all over. I can't get out of this chair that I'm in. Yeah. And, and across the room, our executive producer was over there and he's flipping through the journal because they're trying to see how are we going to make this Bible study, these five simple steps of how you do Bible study and verse mapping, how are we going to translate that into something visual on camera? 
So he's reading through the journal and all of a sudden I start to get really nervous. And I'm like, like, excuse me, excuse me. Yeah. And then I start yelling like, you're reading my diary, please put it away. It, it's that personal. And this, so this process, if your listeners are like, Hey, I want to know more about these five steps. I want to know more about how to go from Bible study for five minutes that I fall in love and I'm, I'm researching for hours at a time. How do I do that? That really is a process that is directed by the Holy Spirit, and it should be as unique as a middle school girl's diary for you. Yeah, you know? yeah. It, should be, it should be that unique to your time with the Lord. If you were to just give a broad defer- definition of what verse mapping is, how would you explain it? It's serious study. Okay. It's, and I say this often, it is digging your heels in the dust of this book and making it real, owning your faith in Jesus Christ. And when I say that it's serious study, I don't want that to intimidate anyone because remember, I already said I did not understand scripture and I had a, a confidence problem with that. Mm-hmm. For me, verse mapping takes one verse and it breaks it down to its core elements so that you can understand through research, through looking up the context through Hebrew and Greek. And if you don't speak Hebrew and you don't speak Greek, awesome. Come sit by me. Cause I don't either. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that works, but we can still research it. And so, yeah, it's serious study, but it's study that moves with you because I felt like I was going through Bible study and sometimes I didn't have an hour per day to do mm-hmm. the homework. I just didn't. Yeah. And it was hard for me because I, I had the guilt, right? I had the Whatever you want to call it, mom guilt, Bible study guilt, whatever it is, I had it. (laughs) So so I wanted this to be a study that was simple. We only have one rule and the rule is you back everything up with scripture. So if God said it first, then we can write it down. So any conclusions that you come to, you know, say you come to a conclusion about the character of God, you have to back that up with scripture. Where in scripture does that conclusion state plainly? You know, Mm -hmm. where is that in scripture? I love that. That's awesome. I know I was sent the Bible study and I haven't been able to do it yet, but I have looked through it and seen like what the premise is for all of it. And I, I think it's a really great, deep method. And do you think that women can be incorporating this into their life, even if they don't feel like they have the 45 minutes or the hours to be able to be doing it like you have been able to grow to? Yes. Oh, what a great question that is, because my heart for this really is to, to meet us where we are, or to actually to have each one of us to meet Christ in the season we're in, right where we are. And what this does, what verse mapping does, and what it did for me is it actually retrains your mind to read scripture and to think scripture like a researcher. Mm. And if you only have five minutes, here's an example of where I had five minutes. My husband and I were on our way home actually from Ireland, and we were sitting in an airport, and our two older boys were with us because they'd gone on the trip with us. And they were sitting and they were watching football, you know, waiting for our plane to take off. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was on my phone and I was reading scripture. And as I was reading scripture, I recognized, oh, there's a city or, you know, there's something. I don't know what that is. I'm going to stop what I'm doing and I'm going to Google that so I can see it on a map. Or I wonder what that word is in Greek or Hebrew or, you know. And so I'm going through the process of verse mapping in my mind and it hit me. I don't even have a journal. So the tools are you have a journal, you have a Bible, you have a smart device, you have a pen or a pencil or whatever you want to use, markers. It's that simple. But I didn't have any of that. I'm just on my phone sitting in an airport and I'm verse mapping in my mind and I'm understanding scripture because I'm my brain. It retrained me to think like a researcher as I'm reading scripture. So now I do that all the time. I stop what I'm doing. If I read a verse and I get to something that intrigues me or I'm curious or 
it's on my heart or I don't understand that Lord. What does that mean? Then I will stop what I'm doing and I'll go through this process, even just in my mind and do a Google search here and there. And then really to understand how does that apply to my life? I love that. That makes it much more every woman, you know, like anybody who's doing this, you learn how to do it and then you can be able to carry it through your life and use it if we're sitting in an airport. I really like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. So I did want to ask one other thing about the actual physical study. Is there an online, like downloadable version versus a DVD? Great question. So for your listeners, if you're interested and you're like, hey, I just want to give verse mapping a try. I want to see if it's for me or I want to see how you do it. And then I want to kind of take it and change it and make it my own. Awesome. We totally want you to feel connected in with that. And you can go to versemapping.com. Okay. Everything is there. So there is a free verse map. You can download a map, like a PDF, that Mm -hmm. is just a blank map. So you can go through the process. You can see these five steps, super simple steps that are write your verse down, you know, select your verse, and then you write that verse in multiple translations and pick out trends and how words are reused. And then you dig into the context of those words, the Hebrew for the Old Testament, the Greek for the New Testament, Then you get into what are called the actions, and that's really looking at this from a storyteller's perspective. I'm a storyteller. I love stories. So how do I understand this verse in the time with which, you know, it was written? If, you know, if Mm -hmm. if it's first century Rome, what was life like back then? Looking at the story, what's happening and to whom? Mm -hmm. And then the last part is the outcome, which is really just the life application piece. I should be able to sum up everything that I've learned on a post-it note, one to two lines. Yeah. how does this apply to my life today? And all of that is there outlined for you on versemapping.com. And if you want to see these video sessions, session one of each study, verse mapping Luke and verse mapping Acts, they're available on versemapping.com right there on my website. Okay. And then if they go ahead and buy the study, then is there a way to get those not in DVD format for people who do not own DVD players <laughs> anymore? <laughs> The, yes, absolutely. We okay. do have, we, we get you linked up for all of that. Absolutely. Okay. Yes. There's a, a digital, several digital links, you know, church source and um, faith gateway in different areas. There also was a webinar that we did uh, very recently for faith gateway and hopefully it's still available online because it was for a limited time, but you can find all of those links out there on okay. the website. Yeah, because they sent me the book and the DVD. I was like, this is awesome, except I don't have a DVD player. (laughs) (laughs) And so many people, yes, so many people have said that. So we do have, yes, digital downloads available. Perfect. Okay, well, I want to start kind of gearing towards the end of our interview here and just ask you some of our basic questions that I think are fun to ask a lot of our guests. And so first of all, I know you've had some change recently because now you're working full time in ministry and all of that. But What does a typical day look like for you? If you had asked me that question a few months ago, I would have said there is no typical day. There's no typical day. It could be podcast interviews. It could be going to the coffee shop and just writing until my little fingers hurt, or it could be a research trip, or I do a lot of speaking at conferences and at women's ministry events. So it could be travel and speaking, whatever the Lord has for my day. It could be that, or as you, as you know, I have three young children. And so my husband and I, it's like, and school. And so our life was just this mishmash of no typical day. Yeah. One of the things that I love that the Lord has brought me into a little bit more structure in this ministry role is 
he actually is working on some discipline, you know, actually having Mm -hmm. some structure to my day. For a writer, it's very important that you're writing every day. So one of the things that he has done, the Lord has done for me in my typical day is I will get up at, and I don't want to scare anyone. So if you scare <laughs> easily, turn the volume down for like two seconds and then turn it right back up. Uh, I get up at about 4.45 wow. every morning. Uh, yeah, coffee and time with the Lord. And then I do writing sprints for an hour. I do a writing sprint and it's it's not editing. It's not anything but just whatever's on my heart. I get those words out. So by the time I step into ministry, I step into our church and our women's ministry, uh, we're, be- we're very much focused on disciple making. I'm completely freed of the writing, of the burden, like, hey, I've got a deadline. You know, I've got a yeah. book to write. I'm yeah. free of that burden, and I'm free to simply focus on this space right here where the Lord has me. And so whatever that looks like, you know, whether it is pastoral needs, whether it's uh, disciple making within the context of our classes that we have, you know, whatever that looks like, those next eight, 10, 12 hours, they belong to Jesus and whatever he asked me to do in ministry. And then after that, you know, it's come home, dinner, sports, whatever with family. And I've already done both of the jobs that he has given me, the creative writing and the ministry. And then I'm freed up just to spend time with my family. So structure is there where if you would have asked me, Mackenzie, like, couple of months ago, there was no structure. There was none. (laughs) I hear you. I've had a lot of that transition too, since having my kids in school for the first time. It's like, oh, we have places to be at certain times and this is like a whole new world. So I totally get that. Okay. What is some way that you are currently cultivating loveliness in your life? I love that question. And it's perfect because it is exactly what your podcast is. You're cultivating the lovely. For me, it's a space of grace. Hmm. And I, what I want to say about that is sometimes we, as whether we're moms, we're, we're daughters, you know, we're sisters, what, whatever that looks like for us as women, there can be times where we can offer grace to everyone else but ourselves. Yeah. And that's the space that I'm in right now. I really want to be conscious of offer myself grace. You know, you don't have, you don't have to live under this lie of perfection, you know, that I can do it all, or I can, I can be it all. You don't have to do that. Why Jesus defines us and he's enough. He is enough. And so cultivating the lovely for me right now looks like just offering grace to myself. If I mess up, if I trip and fall, if I don't get it right the first time, guess what? Jesus is, he's that walk there with savior. He's the one who's going to walk there with us. So just offering grace where I'm at right now. I love that. And it kind of coincides with what my lovely thing is that I'm doing right now is I've been trying to listen to audiobooks while I'm getting ready in the morning. (laughs) And I can kind of kill two birds with one stone because not only do I just get to enjoy the books, but they're usually books that I'm prepping to have someone on the podcast. So I'm trying to get through their books. So I'm (laughs) ready for that. And I'm currently listening to Jessica Honiger's book, Imperfect Courage. And so much of what she's saying is exactly what you were talking about of, you know, she had these ideals of what she thought, you know, motherhood was supposed to look like and all of that. And she was so down on herself until she realized that God accepts her and loves her just as she is. And it just because her life doesn't look like what she thought it was going to look like doesn't make it any less useful to God. And that he can, he still loves her and that, you know, she's usable for the Lord and everything. And I just, I love that message. I've been resonating a lot with that lately. So that is so good. It's so good. And it's so true. 
And another reason why I just love that we met is because I am, I'm so into audiobooks. Like I just yeah. love audiobooks. And a couple of my friends just got me started, and now it's like I can't stop. Like yeah. I, <laughs> well, I already. I already loved podcasts. I was an insane yeah. podcast listener. And now it's like, okay, just add something else to my world, the audiobook. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I'm an audiobook narrator as a voiceover artist. And so oh. there's a certain part of it where I have to like really keep myself in check and like not just be critiquing the, you know, the read the whole time. <laughs> but if they're, you know, all of them that I've been listening to lately, especially if they're read by the author, if it's a nonfiction book, then they're just so fun to be able to listen to in their authentic voice. And, and I really... I love that. So they're so fun. I'm glad you, you're getting into the audiobook world. I am. I'm there. I'm there with you. Awesome. Okay. Are you ready for my stock questions? I'm a little nervous. Oh, yes. don't be. Don't be. They're just fun. Okay. Candles or essential oil diffuser? Candles. All right. Cloth napkins or paper? Are you kidding? If I had cloth napkins, they would never <laughs> be clean paper. Okay. City or country? Country. I'm such a country girl. We live in rural Indiana, and sometimes okay. on the way to work, you can get stopped by a tractor. So country. Yes. Okay. Paper or digital? Have to have a paper. If you're talking about books, paper, book. Okay. Book in my hands. All right. Shopping, would you rather do it online or in the store? Either. Okay. <laughs> okay. It's four o'clock or whatever time you make dinner and you need a mental break. Do you listen to a podcast or to music? It depends on where I am with the Lord. I love worship music. Uh, could be podcast or could be one of those audiobooks. It just depends. Any day right. it's different. And what would be some of your favorite podcasts to listen to? A lot of the history ones, the history chicks. Oh, yeah. Okay. Stuff you missed in history class. I Fun. love, I love Jamie Ivey's podcast. She yeah. is amazing. And so there's just there's so many. The novel marketing podcast for those of you who are called to be a Christian communicator. Oh. Uh, the Declare Declare Conference podcast, and then Cultivating the Lovely is an oh. awesome podcast. <laughs> I hope everyone's listening to that one. <laughs> you totally did not need to make that plug. I used to tell people, don't say mine. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, okay I'll be honest <laughs> oh thank you um do you prefer your chocolate milk or dark dark all right sports or no sports so many sports love football and we got our three boys names from watching football games oh, so we're funny. huge huge sports family <laughs> okay live broadcasting would you rather broadcast or watch like, do know, I have to, am I watching myself? Please tell me I'm not watching myself. No, but like Insta stories or, you know, Facebook live or anything like that. Would you rather be the one doing it or watching someone else do it? Either. Okay. Uh, really either. Don't have a preference. Okay. What is your favorite movie? My favorite movie. You can't ask me. I that. know. This it's a, a really this broad is a one. question that you ask. Okay, <laughs> Everyone. So, oh, it's so hard. So I love classic films. Anything from the 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s. I love classic films. But if you're asking for just one movie that's not a classic film and like a genre, it is Pride and Prejudice from 2005. So the Kira Knightley Kira, one? Kira Knightley and Matthew McFadden. I've seen it a bazillion times and I have all the lines memorized and I love it. Favorite <laughs> all movie. All right. That's a good one. 
Okay, if you were to put yourself on the crunchiness spectrum and zero is totally not crunchy and 10 is like singing Kumbaya by the fire with your legs unshaven (laughs) and dreadlocks in your hair, where are you on the crunchiness spectrum? (laughs) That's a great question. Um, Oh, goodness. I'm probably a zero. I'm just so so buttoned up. And I often joke, like, I just, I should have been born in the Victorian era. Actually, my next (laughs) book has a Victorian storyline and I'm, I get these people. So probably just a zero. Okay. Well, (laughs) that is totally okay. And I appreciate your honesty. I think you're the only person to ever tell me that. So that is super fun. The The general answer that I get from people most of the time, no matter where they're at on the scale, is six. So Really? Yeah. So I love that you said zero. That's fantastic. Oh, man. Can I, my Enneagram 4 just came out, and I'm so <laughs> embarrassed. Can I change my answer? No. <laughs> I love it. I'm a, I want to be a six. I'm a six. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show, Christy. We will have links to all of your books and your Bible studies and everything in the show notes for this episode. And I just really appreciate chatting with you today. It was so much fun. Thank you so much. I had a blast and I can't wait to come back again, I hope. Yes. Yeah. Maybe when one of your novels comes out, like in February or something, it would be really fun to have you back on. Okay. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. All right, that's it for this week's episode with Christy Cambron. If you guys want to check out the show notes about everything that we talked about, you can go to boldturquoise.com forward slash 094. And as always, if you're just wanting to like show a little bit of support for the podcast, a huge thing that you can do, which is totally free to you, but seriously beneficial to us, is go to iTunes and rate and review us. Even just a little one sentence thing and preferably a five star rating would do us a huge solid and help boost the podcast so that other people can find us and hey if you want to shout out to us on social media you know i always love hearing from you at mackenzie coppa on instagram that's my home base that's where i really like to hang out i love when you guys comment back in my insta stories and dm me i really enjoy interacting with all of you there so don't be shy find me at mackenzie coppa Again, if you want to join us in Patreon, you can find us at patreon.com slash cultivatingthelovely. We would love to see you there, especially as we are amping up for 2019. There's going to be a lot of fun stuff, so come check it out. And lastly, for any of you who stuck around to hear that song Finch song that we got a year ago, I would love for you to be able to hear it. So we are going to tack it on right at the end of this episode. All right, enjoy and go be bold and gracious. Just to let you know, you're one of a kind, you're original. And she loves you so much, yeah, it couldn't be truer. So shout out Ellie, Emmy, Roman, and of course Judah. Emmy's the princess, and Ellie's got pep. Emmy's a ballerina, and Ellie is up next. Roman and Judah got the basketball skills. And when they start dancing, it's kind of a big deal. Moves on moves, nothing stops the show. And you can't stop Roman when he has his Legos. Nothing but joy just to see you all grow. World is yours, so watch you. Go. There'll be good days and bad days, but you'll always have each other, so it's okay. Through the good times and the hard times, one thing is for you'll sure. always be loved, always and forever. You'll always be loved through the stormy sweat. You'll 
snuggled up on the couch, all hanging out while watching Full House. All the catchphrases like how rude, can't forget, cut it out, and you got it, dude. Mom and kid dates, grab the ice skates, pick a time, pick a movie, and I better be great. Long as you know you're always on her mind, remember, have courage, and I'll always be kind. Cause you're the definition of what hope is, right next to her heart is the closest. So believe her when she tells you that she loves you not the most but the most there'll be good days and bad days but you always have each other so it's okay through the good times and the hard times one thing's for you'll sure. always be loved always and forever you'll always be loved through the stormy Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.